What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Uh, I'm super excited for the guests I have on today. Uh, I'm certainly, I certainly know that you guys are going to enjoy it. So I'd like to welcome my good friend, Sean Walchef to Dad Up. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate everything that you're doing for uh, all the dads out there. It's one thing to be a father. It's another thing to be a dad. And the dads are the ones that have to actually put in the daily work of learning how to uh, to figure figure this out, how to be a better role model every single day. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful that I met you on Clubhouse. I'm grateful to be here and talk to uh, any of the other dads that are out there listening. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for my listeners who may not know who you are, I, you know, I know a little bit about you, but uh, just kind of give me the backstory about Sean, about, you know, your life, how you, how you, started how you where you're at today the things you're doing today and then obviously this is a dad podcast so I want to know about your family as well sure so um, I've never met my father uh, my birth father my my mother she had me when she was young she was in nursing school in Colorado and you know she's told me multiple stories about who my father was and why he wasn't around when I grew up Um, but I was very blessed that when I was six months old my grandfather um, the Bulgarian mamba in my life um, the person that really brought me in into the home and um, showed me what a father really is. Uh, he, he told my mom that he wanted us to move back from uh, Colorado. He wanted to help raise me in, uh, in San Diego in La Jolla. And that was really the beginning of you know who I am. I was raised by my grandfather and my grandmother. She's a Japanese woman and my grandfather's Bulgarian. Um, he was a medical doctor that immigrated. He started as a farm boy, grew up from nothing and he taught me what the value of hard work was. Um, but I was always very privileged and I never felt like I had resentment for not knowing my birth father. Um, that was something that didn't hit me until I had my son. Um, when I had my son four years ago, I have a four-year-old son named Colleen. I have a two-year-old daughter named Mila. Um, but when I had my son and I was reading to him when he was you know, young, maybe four months old, five months old, and I was you know, reading a bedtime story to him, I, I looked at him and I just said, it doesn't make sense. You know, just, it doesn't make sense to me how you can have someone in this world and just not, not want to be a part of their lives. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, so, okay. So I want to go back to that, but let me get where you are today because I mean, you're successful. I mean, you own how many restaurants you own? You own, uh, I know we're going to be up to three, up to three restaurants uh, coming up here in January of 2022. And, and you love to, you love to cook. You're all about the barbecue. So, uh, I mean, how did that all get started? I mean, is that something that you you were just passionate about as a young kid? I mean, how did you kind of get into that field? Yeah. Well, the, the joke that I make on the podcast is, you know, I'm, I'm closer to the, I aspire to be the Jerry Jones and the Dana Whites of the world. I'm not actually the person throwing the footballs or the person fighting in the octagon. <laughs> I much prefer to own the own the UFC or own the Dallas Cowboys. Those are my my big goal aspirations. So I, I'm not actually the one doing the barbecue cooking. I mean, somebody from San Diego doing barbecue is 
laughable to anybody that's in the barbecue meccas of the United States. But, you know, we chose to get into hospitality. We chose sports entertainment. We opened in 2008 in a part of San Diego that was off the beaten path. You know, they tell you location, location, location. But uh, because we struggled so much, we learned how to do internet marketing, digital marketing, social media marketing. We learned all these skills that many successful restaurant owners really didn't have to learn. Um, and because of that, in the 13 years since we've been in business, we learned how to turn our business into a media company. So we put on a podcast, we do YouTube videos, we make TikTok videos, we post content on LinkedIn. Um, we teach other small business owners, entrepreneurs, how to share their message. You know, so many people in social media, they want someone else to share their message. We want press opportunities to talk about our podcast, you know, promote our show. Ultimately, the, the best thing that anyone can do that's listening to this, if you have a business, is to start, start sharing your own story. And that's basically um, kind of what we do and, and, and where we are. We're a barbecue media company. We're serious mm -hmm. about barbecue, but we're also very serious about media. Well, you're right in my backyard, pretty much. I mean, we're, we're sort of neighbors. So one of these days, I'm gonna have to get down there and check it out. Um, so that's cool. Uh, so 13 years, that's awesome. Uh, how did the, anything happen through the pandemic? How did you guys manage to keep things afloat? Yeah, you know, people talk a lot in the pandemic about pivoting their business. Uh, we really, we didn't pivot, we just went all in. So we went all in on digital. Uh, we already were a digital restaurant. We had uh, delivery services through DoorDash, but we added Uber Eats and Grubhub, and then we switched our point of sale company so that we could do more frictionless ordering to Toast, which is our now our point of sale system. So we did a lot of things to really digitize our restaurant and optimize. We can't discriminate how people get our barbecue. Barbecue takes time and it takes expertise. So you know, the traditional model is, you know, for 13 years, build something incredible that people talk about or write about online and they drive across the county. You know, San Diego is 3.3 million people, but, you know, they come and they line up on an NFL Sunday and they wait for an hour to get brisket. You know, that's the traditional way of building a, a restaurant. And then you go and you replicate that. And it's another 5,000 square foot restaurant, and, um, you know, 60 employees. It doesn't work anymore. The, the numbers don't work. So, Really, we've optimized what we call digital hospitality. How can we do what we do in real life? How can we do that online? How can we take care of people where they are? So if you're a dad that's at the Little League game, how can you just order brisket so it gets delivered to you or so you can pick it up on the way home? And the better quality that we make it and the more efficient we make that process, if we make it like Amazon Prime, um, then we'll have a sustainable business into the future. Mm, that's very, very cool. Um, I do want to touch on, uh, obviously, your kids. You got a four-year-old, a two-year-old. I mean, obviously, you're building this business, I would think, in hopes that maybe eventually uh, it can be passed down to them. Is that one of your hopes? Or, I mean, what's the ultimate goal for your companies? And that, it's a great question. It's something, you know, I, I think about as I'm building. I think about as the kids are growing up and I was, like I said, very fortunate to grow up in La Jolla, a very affluent part of San Diego, an affluent part of the world. Some of the highest net worth people live there. And, you know, my grandfather paid for me significant money for me to attend a private school named uh, called Bishops. And at that private school, I had 100 kids in my graduating class and, you know, a lot of very successful families um, and a lot of families that had family businesses. They wanted the best for their kids. And, you know, a lot of those times, some of those plans that the parents had or the grandparents had, they didn't really work out very well when they tried to impose their will and impose their business on the next generation. 
I think, you know, when I look back and I look at the the fathers, the bonus dads that I had, the, you know, some of my friends, their best friends, fathers, you know, the things that that attracted me were were that they didn't force their business down their kid's throat. You know, they literally allowed them to participate in whatever they wanted to participate in. And then if they gravitated toward that particular field, then they choose, they chose to go down that field. And for me, I, I want to support my children. Um, and that includes, you know, sports, it includes business, it includes any hobbies that they have. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's amazing to see how fast my son can change from, you know, loving the little cars, toys to going to next it's monster trucks. And he's obsessed with monster trucks and all he wants to talk about is monster trucks and all he wants is monster trucks on his wall. And then now it's dinosaurs. And it's like, literally he's, you know, whenever he can, he starts acting like a dinosaur, a T-Rex. And like, what do you want for Christmas? I want a dinosaur. We have a dinosaur, like blow up doll in the yard, you know, Christmas dinosaur blow up doll. So it's like, I, I just have to, you know, help nurture the fire of whatever my kids' passions are. And if that chooses to be, you know, restaurant business, hospitality business, media, content creation, storytelling, whatever that is, um, I'm going to just try to do my best to support that. You know, I think that's important as a, as a dad or as a parent uh, is to support our kids and their passions. And one of the things that I think about for my own boys is that, you know, my, my boys kind of gravitated towards sports uh, when they were younger. Uh, it was very important for us that they participated in extracurricular activities. We were, obviously school was important, but we wanted them to do something outside of school and they just naturally gravitated towards sports. Uh, is, did you grow up in, you know, participating in sports? And, and is that something you think that your son is going to want to participate in or even your daughter? Even though she's Absolutely. Too yeah. I mean, I, I learned so much, um, you know, from my coaches, um, from the friends that I met on the tennis court, on the basketball court, on the football field. Um, so much of what we do with our business is giving back to local youth sports. So, you know, really fostering a curiosity and a love for what, you know, whatever they tend to gravitate to, you know, back to growing up with affluent friends and friends, families, they had the resources to dedicate to kids, you know, investing in youth soccer. And I've had friends that they played youth soccer so much that they ended up resenting youth soccer. Mm -hmm. You know, I had friends that ended up resenting baseball because they played little league and they did the travel ball. And it's like, you know, they never got that extra experience, but then there are success stories, but you know, what's the balance? I mean, the balance is going to be understanding that I want my kids to have opportunities to play, not just sports that I love, you know, because I love tennis. I think it's a great sport. My grandparents, they put me in tennis when all my friends were playing baseball, you know, that was different for me, but I learned so much playing tennis and I still can play tennis. You know, I played basketball, which wasn't something that my grandfather wanted. It was something I picked up, but I, I love basketball. I love the game of basketball. I love pickup and I want him to play it. But ultimately, you know, if he wants to play soccer, I didn't grow up playing soccer, but I'm going to support him, you know, because he's playing soccer. And, you know, like I said, if, if it's the same thing with the toys, you know, where he's going from one toy to the next toy, all I can do is do my best, but I want him to complete seasons. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want him to start something and then quit. Like there's certain lines that I'll draw that say, listen, I will support you, but we don't quit. You know, we right. see things through and that means something to the team. That means something to your character. And that means something for you as a man. And that includes my daughter. Yeah, no, that, that's an important lesson. And that's something that I was very uh, adamant about with my boys is that, you know, my, like I, my older son played soccer and he played soccer for one year. We, he wanted to try it out. 
and we let him try it out and he hated it. He just hated it. And the yeah. crazy thing is they had him, the, the coach, I wasn't coaching cause I had known nothing about soccer, but, um, but I coached, you know, basketball, I coached baseball, I coached football, but I knew nothing about soccer. And so this coach that he had put him in the goalie position and he was a, he was a really good goalie. I was actually really surprised how good he was at it. And I kept telling him, dude, you're really good at playing that, that position. He's like, I don't like it. And I told him, I said, it's kind of the same thing. I look, you got to stick it out. You know, yeah. let's get through the season. And, you know, if at the end of the season, you don't want to play anymore, that's fine. Um, we'll find something else. But uh, so it's important, those messages of just, you know, it, it teaches them, it teaches them that, hey, it, it, you're right, character, right? It teaches them uh, being a team player, being, being a part of a sport, being a team player, not giving up on something. Um, and, you know, ultimately, he ended up not playing soccer ever again. He just did that one season and that was it. Um, he also played baseball for many, many, many years. We're a huge baseball family and he did baseball for many years. And then he got to about 12 years old and he had started picking up basketball around 10. Mm -hmm. And he told me during the season, during his baseball season, he's like, dad, I don't want to play baseball anymore. And he didn't want to tell me that because he knew how much we loved baseball. Yep. He, he was afraid to tell me. And, um, he told me and I said, that's okay. I said, we do, you got to finish the season, but um, and so he ended up finishing the season and then never, never picked up a baseball again. And he just, he, he said, all I want to do is focus on basketball. And that's what he did. Um, so those are important lessons to learn uh, as a child, uh, because it teaches them, you know, it teaches them discipline, it teaches them uh, that when you're, when you're a part of something, it's, you just don't give up on it until you know that it's time to move on. And especially in sports. Uh, when the season's over, if you want to move on, you move on. Did your dad um, give you that freedom or did you, I, go, did you go against what your dad would have done? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I grew up kind of in a, in a different uh, environment in that I played sports as a child, but uh, my parents weren't really involved. So they, they had to work a lot and it's not, not a, you know, not a knock on them. They just, they, they had to work a lot. So they could not come to my practices. They could not come to my games. I can count on one hand how many times they actually showed up to a game. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I used to ride to practices and games with my friend's parents because I just, I didn't have a ride. Um, but um, no, I always stuck out. I never quit in this, in the middle of the season. I always stuck it out. Um, but I played baseball um as a child, all the way up through uh, junior high. And then uh, when I got into high school, I actually switched and I tried water polo, wrestling and uh, swim. And uh, so those are the sports that I played throughout high school. Um, but, you know, I, it was it was tough as a child for me. And it's probably the reason why uh, I'm so involved in my boys when they grew up is that uh, my parents, you know, they couldn't come to stuff. And I knew I didn't want to be that way with my kids. Uh, because, you know, as a child, when you're playing in your sport, when you're when you're on the field or on the on the court, the one thing you want to do when you look up in those stands is you don't want to see all the other fans. You want to see your family. And I never yeah. saw that. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but I still coach today. I coach high school basketball today and my boys are grown and out of high school. Um, and I still coach because I know uh, I want to be that mentor to these players. And I have players on my teams that there are parents that I've never even met because yeah. they just can't come to stuff. And um, so that was important to me. And that's why I was so involved with my boys. 
Are you going to be that involved with your son as far as, I mean, you're running businesses now. How are you going to balance that? Uh, because for me, I have a corporate job and my corporate job allowed me the flexibility to participate in being a coach uh, for these teams. Uh, how are you going to be able to balance that uh, when he starts playing? Yeah, I mean, I think the the whole idea of balance is always a, an interesting question. You know, it's I'm I'm an all all in kind of person, so <laughs> you you get you get everything of me. I I don't I don't very I don't do very well with moderation. So you know what I'm going to choose to do is to be present in my my son's life and my daughter's life, and um, you know just as importantly be as present in in my wife's life. Um, you know I think part of being a dad, we all want to be the best dad possible, but we don't realize that so much of the key of it is being a good husband, you know, teaching, teaching my children through how I interact with my wife and the conversations that I have with her and the love that I have for her and the, you know, small tokens of appreciation and affection that I show, um, teach my daughter how a man's supposed to treat a woman and it will mm -hmm. teach my son the same. And, you know, what you said was interesting was, uh, talking about looking up into the stands and it can be an arena full, a stadium full of people. And all you care about is your loved ones being there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I mean, that's such a powerful thing to think about as a dad, you know, especially a new dad, because um, you know, there'll be times I'll be at the playground or, you know, go to the driving range with my son and, um, you know, but especially let's go, go to the playground. So if I'm at the playground with my son and I'm, you know, playing with him or playing with my daughter and I take two seconds and I look at my phone for a text message or an email. And then my son says, dad, did you see that? Like, dad, right. did you see that? And like, all that matters to him is that he saw that I saw right. what he did and that I'm proud of him. And like, you know, when I think of him growing up and being on a soccer field or a basketball court or a football field or golf, where, wherever that is, you know, dad, did you see that? Yeah. I, I want to say that I saw that. Mm, yeah. No, I, I mean, it's so good. I mean, that's so important. So good that you said that because um, you're right. I mean, as, as kids, they want to know that, that you are present, you are paying attention. Uh, they don't necessarily care what they did. They care that you saw what they did. Right. That's yep. what you, what you just said. And um, that's, that's good. And, and it's something that you're mindful of now. Um, it is tough as they get older uh, to uh, maintain that, that presence. Um, and it's something that we have to be mindful of as dads, not only as dads, but as parents, as moms as well. Um, and I love the fact that you bring up how you treat your wife in front of your kids, because um, you're showing your son how a woman should be treated. And your wife, I'm sure, treating you the same way as showing your daughter how a man should be treated. So it goes both ways. So, yeah. I mean, you, you're doing all the right things and it seems like you're on the right track. I do want to touch, though, on the fact that you grew up in essentially a fatherless home. Yeah. And that can be tough on a child. The fact that you had your grandfather kind of step in as that fatherly role. Um, what kind of impact did not having an actual, you know, your actual biological dad there, what kind of impact did that have? Or did your grandfather really kind of take the reins so well that you really didn't think about it much as a child? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, there were times in my life, multiple times, you know, where I would introduce myself or, you know, be the new kid at school. And, you know, I would be bringing my grandparents and, 
for me, it was, I always felt not a stigma towards it. Not, I just felt like that I was different. You know, I was, I was different that I had, you know, a Bulgarian grandfather and a Japanese grandmother that were taking care of me, but I felt loved. I felt supported. I felt um, that literally I, I could do anything because of, because of their support. So I, there was never a time, you know, where I felt resentment because I, I, I met kids, I met other kids that didn't know their dad or they were raised by their stepdad. And, you know, a lot of them were angry, you know, they were angry at their father. And I, I never felt that way because I felt like I did have a father and I felt like I did have a dad and that was my grandfather. You know, I, I really, I really truly felt that. And like I said, until, I had my own son. I hadn't even taken the time to investigate who my dad was. You know, I, I really didn't give a shit. And once I, I was reading to my son and looking into his eyes and just saying, you know, eventually my son's going to ask me, who's your dad? Right. Where's your dad? And I want to have some better answers than, you know, the, the fairy, fairy book stories that my mom told me that, you know, they just fell out of love and, you know, he had to finish school and then they lost contact and, you know, I, I went to my mom and I started asking her tough questions. I asked her questions, not as a son, but I asked her as if I was a, a journalist or if I was an attorney deposing a witness, you know, getting to the facts so that I could, you know, hunt down and find out, you know, where was he? And, you know, I actually found an email address and I sent him an email, not asking for anything, just basically saying, you know, this is who I am. I think, you know, you might be my father because of, you know, my mom being at school at this time in Colorado and, this, that, the other. And I got an email back from his wife and the wife, you know, it wasn't an email that I was expecting because she said, you know, congratulations on having a son. Um, it sounds like you're doing very well, but we're very private people and uh, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Hmm. So I'm not sure if he ever got the email from me, hmm. but I am sure that that was the first time that she knew his wife knew that I existed. So for me, you know, going down, trying to find who my dad is, ultimately has left me with a lot of questions still, even more questions, unresolved questions. But it's also given me a deeper appreciation for my mother, um, how hard it was for her to not only have me without the support of my dad, but also to come back to San Diego and to essentially allow her father and a woman that she didn't know because it wasn't her mom, um, a Japanese grandmother raised me uh, as she raised both my two half brothers. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a, a unique story, but it's also a story that many people can relate to because, you know, all families are alike. We all have, we all have, you know, Tolstoy, Tolstoy said it very well. Um, you know, we're all unhappy in our own, our own way. Um, but we're also happy, you know, it's, it's what you choose to be grateful for. And I'm grateful that I have two amazing kids and I have, a, you know, an amazing wife that, yes, we're trying to be better husband, trying to be a better wife, but that doesn't mean that we don't struggle. You know, right. the last year has been the hardest year of our marriage. Um, we each have started going to our own therapists. Uh, we started couples therapy a week ago and um, you know, I struggle with addiction. I'm a recovering alcoholic that's in a, been in a program of recovery um, that's had a lot of different issues on our marriage. And, you know, all, all I can do is, is do it one day at a time. And today I'm going to try to be a better dad and try to be a better husband. And does that mean I'm going to be perfect? Absolutely not. 
but um, if I have an opportunity to to share, you know, the struggle that I've gone through and the the things that are working and working on yourself is hard. <laughs> you know, when you're running multiple businesses, when you're you know trying to be a dad, trying to be present, and then trying to find time to you know go through the skeletons in your closet and the character defects and the why you know the reasons why you know I might feel the way I do about my dad. You know, I spent a lot of time in therapy talking about my dad. Spent a lot of time talking about my grandfather, my mother, my wife, you know, how I want to be a better dad for my kids. And, you know, it, it puts me in a place where at least it's out in the open and at least I can work, work on it and acknowledge it. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about that you said in there. And first of all, um, the fact that you um, had the courage, uh, I say courage, uh, had the courage to send that email. Uh, I'm sure it was tough to send, um, but um, the response that you got back, I mean, I can imagine it was hurtful. Um, was there a sense of relief or was there more of a sense of, I still need to keep keep searching? Or did you just, I mean, is it just kind of, you let it go? It, it's a good question. I mean, because I, I, went, I went through multiple different emotions, you know, at first it was anger at, you know, why, why would she, you know, not be willing to, to allow me to have that communication with my dad? Uh, who does she think she is? Um, right. Then it was, you know, what do I care anyways? And then it was, well, should I do a 23 and meet test, which I did any, I did anyways to see, because I might have, you know, another side, 50% of my bloodline, I don't know anything about. You know, my, my wife's, my wife, my, my mother's side of the family is a Bulgarian side. My grandfather's Bulgarian. I'm 25% Bulgarian. I married a, a, a Bulgarian woman. She's 100% Bulgarian. My kids are more Bulgarian than I am um, now because we have, I have a huge deep connection to Bulgaria, but that's 25% of my bloodline. You know, the other 25% is the Irish Catholic side of my, my family. That's on my grandmother's side that I never knew because she passed away early, but 50% of my bloodline, I have no idea who they are, what they do. And, you know, any relatives that are outside of my father, um, that's an unresolved thing that I've kind of just kind of let go because I've, I've, I've researched it and, you know, haven't really gotten back any answers, but if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If someone's supposed to come into my life, they'll come into my life, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and I did want to touch uh, something else you, you, that you talked about, you, you know, uh, you struggle, you said you struggle with addiction, uh, just uh, putting everything, putting all the cards out on the table here. Uh, I struggled with addiction as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, this past September, uh, 12 years sober. So it's something that, thank you. It's something Amazing. that I, I have, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic family and I found myself not necessarily, uh, I say not necessarily being an alcoholic myself, but I found myself, I'll tell you the story. I, I, I was sitting watching. I don't remember what I was watching. I was watching TV and I asked one of my boys to grab me a beer out of the fridge. And they went, got me a beer, brought it to me and I caught myself and I went, I cannot believe that I grew up in an alcoholic family and I cannot believe I'm having my boys fetch me alcohol. And it's, it, it hit me and it made me say, you know what? I don't want my boys growing up in that kind of atmosphere, that kind of environment. And I literally stopped. That's enough. I'm done. Wow. And uh, I never looked back. Wow. Um, and it's something to this day on my, on my, you know, 
my date, which is September 9th, um, that they say, or excuse me, September 7th, they say, uh, thank you. Every single year, my boys say wow. thank you for making that decision. How old us. were they? How old were they when you got sober? Let's see. This was uh, my son. My older son, I think, was about 12, 12, 12 or so, 12 years old. Uh, my younger son was about 10. Wow. Um, so, you know, they, they thank me to this day, and it's something that I'm proud of. Uh, and I like to think that, you know what, I could, I could, if I wanted to, I could casually have a beer, but um, I don't. I don't want to bring that into my world because I don't know what the, what the results of it are going to be with not myself, but with my family yeah. Uh, yeah. because they're more important to me. So, um, so <clears throat> keep up that fight, brother. Uh, thank you. And you know, I'm always here in your corner if you need anything. I appreciate uh, that you need to talk anything like that you just need to vent i call me up anytime um, i really appreciate that you. well you yeah also I, mean, I, I think what's what's important that anybody that's listening to this podcast to know that you're not alone right you know if, if you're struggling like you're not alone and there's people out there there's programs out there that can be a tremendous resource um, you don't have to be in the cycle of you know feeling guilty feeling ashamed of you know what's happening and there there is a better way Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now I did want to touch also, you mentioned, you know, you're going through and um, meeting with therapists with a therapist and that you guys are going through couples counseling and all that. Um, I will and, I'm tell, working, and I'm working with my sponsor doing the steps. There you go. There you go. Um, we'll, we'll keep I don't all think there's out. any more self-help. I can do. Keep all that up, man. Uh, but I'll tell you this, um, you know, my wife and I, we have a marriage coach and it's a, we see her once a month. And we do that, uh, and I say it all the time, but we do that uh, not because we have issues. We do that so we don't have issues. Yeah. Um, she kind of helps us, you know, kind of navigate our conversations and things like that, things that come up. There's sometimes when we meet with her where we really have nothing to talk about. So we just we just have a casual conversation with our, with our you know, she's a licensed therapist, but we call her our marriage coach. And my boys know that we go to her. Um, and it's just something that, and there are times where we see her, individually. Like if we're yeah. struggling with something, you know, there have been times that I've been, I've struggled with different things like anxiety and stuff like that, that I've met with her one-on-one -on -one just to kind of help me navigate through those. And a lot of those things stem from a lot of the, you know, kind of the anxiety, the things that I have struggled with uh, stem from my childhood and how I was raised and, and, and the different things that happened in my life as a child yeah. and trying to uncover that and bring that out to where it's not an impact on my family right now and not for uh, not a further impact on me uh, personally. Um, so it's healthy. Um, I'm glad that you guys are doing it and look at it as not so much therapy, but just kind of a coach, uh, kind of somebody that's in your guys's corner to kind of help you guys um, navigate because marriage is tough, right? Yeah. Especially, especially when you got two young kids, um, it's tough. Uh, but as long as you guys maintain that, um, stability with that therapist, um, it, it's only going to do you guys well. Um, so that's, that's great. You guys are doing that. And I, well, I mean, I think you. what, what, what is important is why I love what you're doing with the podcast is you're, you're creating a platform and a safe space for dads and husbands and, uh, people to know that, you know, like I said, you're, you're not alone. You know, the more that I talk to my friends, not on a surface level, but on a deeper level of, you know, people ask all the time, you know, in casual conversation, how are you doing? Well, if you take the time to talk about the truth 
and the struggle that you're having with your wife or the struggle or the thing that you did, you know, how you messed up with, you know, ignoring your son on the playground, whatever that might be, you'd be surprised at the people that you love and the people that are close to you. You can actually have a real conversation because the more that I talk about, you know, me going to therapy with my wife or our struggles with having two kids, you know, at a young age and moving houses literally we sold our house when my daughter was born and, you know, within a hundred days moved into a new house. And that was a tremendous strain on our marriage. And, you know, when I talk to other friends that have young kids, they, they talk about how difficult it was for them too, you know, and, and what do you do? You know, we're all in on the family. We want to make sure that we're all together, but then who has time? Like I need time for myself to be a better dad, to be a better husband. You know, one of the things they talk about in therapy, a story that I share on our podcast all the time is, you know, when I first went to therapy, my therapist asked me, you know, Sean, when you're traveling on an airplane and they tell you, uh, and you're traveling with kids, I didn't even have kids at the time. Uh, they're going through the safety instructions. What do they tell you? And I said, well, you know, when the oxygen mask comes on, what are you supposed to do? And as a dad, as a man, you're supposed to protect everybody, right? You're supposed to save the entire plane. Well, that's not what they tell you to do. They right. tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first because otherwise you're worthless to your wife, you're worthless to your kids, you're worthless to anybody else on the plane. And like, that's such a powerful thing to know that if you truly want to help your family, if you truly want to be a better husband, if you truly want to be a better dad, you need to be a better man. Like you need to work on you. And working on you means taking the time for you to go through your own shit. Mm. And we all have shit that we need to work on. And every single day, the more that we work on it, then the better we can be. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect either. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It's something that the dads don't, they think, and this one of the reasons why I do the show is that dads feel like they carry all this weight on their shoulders and that's not necessary. And the other thing is, is that you need to learn, as you said, take time for yourself, because if your fuel tank is not full, you're not going to be able to provide the energy that you need to provide to your family. Um, you're not going to be able to be all in. And a lot of dads, I, I see, I've seen it over the years is that they, they work these 60, 80 hour weeks and they come home and they're just exhausted and they just want to either go to bed or sit and veg or they turn to addiction, you know, yeah. alcohol, things like that. Uh, and, and it's just, they're, it's just a backwards approach. Take care of yourself first and then you'll be able to be all in for your family. So yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Even if it's, even if it's just going for a drive by yourself, just to kind of set, let your mind kind of think and, and kind of get free before you, before you come in the door. Um, so you can be all, you know, another, I'll mention this, you know, police officers carry that lot of, a lot of that weight too, right? They, yeah. When they're, when they're out on the, out on the beat or out on the field, you know, they come home and they're so wound up from their job that they start to take it out on their family when they come home. And that's, it's, it's just a whole other animal. So taking care of ourselves is so important. And uh, I'm glad that you acknowledge that as a dad, I do want to give you an opportunity though, because as we're, as we're running down on time here, um, if my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, sure. kind of know who you are. Uh, you know, I know you got the podcast, you got your companies, um, let them know how to reach out to you or how to, how to, how to look you up. Learn yeah. The, about I you. mean, the, the easiest way to get in touch with me is on social media at Sean P Waltreff, S H A W N P W A L C H E F. And, uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. You can follow me on TikTok. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. We produce all different types of content. Um, and 
what I, what I do is what I teach other business owners to do. And that's, you know, we like to separate social media with this is my personal life and this is my business life. And these are my business accounts. And this is my personal account. I only have one life. So you're going to get all of me on all those accounts. You're going to get my business. You're going to get barbecue. You're going to get my love of my children. You know, get my kids dancing. You're going to get uh, me and my wife doing some, you know, Bulgarian project around the house. Um, we just like to have fun. And um, by doing that, we've really made some incredible business opportunities for ourselves. Um, a lot of content opportunities, a lot of, uh, we're launching our second podcast called Restaurant Influencers um, with Entrepreneur Magazine and Yelp. Um, that's starting in 2022. Digital Hospitality is the podcast we've been doing for four years. Um, you can find either of those on any of the podcast platforms, but calibbq.media, that's the main website. Uh, where we sell barbecue and we put all of our media content and um, yeah, anybody that's a dad, anyone that's struggling, anyone that's looking for a friend or looking how to make social media easier for their business, um, we're more than happy to uh, to connect. And if you're in San Diego, definitely hit me up. Tell me you heard us on the Data podcast and we'll uh, get some incredible barbecue, take some selfies uh, at the restaurant and uh, I'm sure establish an incredible uh, long-term friendship. One of my favorite philosophers is Winnie the Pooh. And that's, uh, we will be friends forever. Just you wait and see. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, listen, Sean, I'm certainly glad we've connected and certainly glad we've gotten to know each other over the last few months. I'm looking forward to continuing our friendship. And I'm telling you, I'm coming down to San Diego because I got to try it. I got to be there. I got to I got to see what it's all about. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully when I when I'm down there, you and I can kind of catch up and, and Absolutely. Uh, maybe break some bread together. So um, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you, Brian, on on the Digital Hospitality Podcast. Um, anybody oh, yeah. that's a fan, you have so Absolutely. many fans of your show. Uh, it's incredible the things that you're doing, and um, you. you're you're an inspiration to so many dads out there. Um, that listen to your show. And uh, I look forward to, to talking to you about how it started, why it started and uh, what you, where you plan on taking it. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, so I thank you again, Sean. I really do, man. And I wish you all the best of luck, brother. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you guys very much for joining me on another episode of Dad Up. Thanks, Sean, my guest, for, for coming on the show with me. Make sure you guys are checking out his stuff. I'll make sure to put all the tags in my, in my YouTube and, and, and podcast locations. But make sure you guys are subscribing so you don't miss a single one of my episodes that come out every single week. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode of Data. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is Data.